man, if you've never done construction before, or maybe if you're new and you've not gone through this process a lot, it can be super overwhelming. Hey guys, welcome to the Potrigger Podcast. This is the number one podcast in Midtown Tulsa run by a construction company. Mm. We've tested it. We keep looking. We are number one. That is not a doubt. Nick, how are you doing, my man? I am doing well. Um, We are getting another early podcast in today, and I'm excited. I think it's such a fun start to the day because it's like, man, we get to ramp our brains up real quick. We get to talk a little bit. We get to think about some stuff. I'm excited to be jumping into another one here. It's getting cold outside. Yesterday, we were on a a job site tour. And uh, we went across the new pedestrian bridge that's being built, hmm. and that wind was frigid. I mean, what do you think the uh, the mile per hour up there was? Uh, high like, had had to have been two or three hundred miles an hour, like three four hundred. Yeah, I mean, it it was insane. <laughs> it like, was so cold, and I was a little, you know, I, I don't I don't get scared of heights, but if I would have been towards the sides of the bridge, like Man. the wind was blowing so hard, and there was not like actual railing yet, yeah. it was just wood kind yeah. of protecting us. Um, I mean, you had to lean, but it's a good thing I had. We had our safety hats on, so we did. Uh, we had hard hats, so if we would have yeah. fallen, there's a really good chance those hats would have been okay. You'd have been all right. The hats you might have brought. I don't know about us. Yeah, but. the hats might have been. Yeah, right. <laughs> We've got a great topic today, though. I'm super excited about it. What are you? What are your thoughts, man? Um, I'm excited. You know, we did our pricing episode, and I think that that was some really good information. And I'm excited to be jumping into another topic here that is super important, and that is site selection and feasibility. Yeah, I think this is going to be uh, one of those that we can kind of, um, kind of refer back to a lot down the road. So. Yeah. And, you know, this is this is a question we deal with a lot uh, with people that have never built before, um, especially whenever we get connected with somebody before they connect with an architect. You know, an architect, I think, does a does a good job of communicating some of these things. Um, but we've had a lot of conversations where people just don't know what to do or what the next steps are. And um, so so the purpose of this podcast here is to share a little bit about, um, you know, some of the key factors that we think are important to understand and the questions, right? The right questions to think about. And this isn't going to be a every single uh, factor type of list. It's going to be some of the main pieces here. Yeah. It's, you know, it's really, it's just things to think about. Like whenever you're starting to think about, Hey, I, I might want to uh, start looking for some land, or maybe you have two or three pieces of land you're looking at. These are some questions you can ask yourself and your broker. Maybe you have a, uh, you already have a contractor that's kind of helping you out or an architect. Like these are questions that you can ask to whoever's helping you out. And if they can't answer these, then you may need to say, Hey, you need to answer these because it's important. Yep. Well, let's not, uh, let's not beat around the bush anymore here. Let's jump right into this here. So the, those top three factors that we're thinking about here are site requirements, soil conditions, and existing utilities. So let's break each of these down. Site requirements couple of things that I'm thinking about, zoning, size of the properties, and what are the city requirements for what we're wanting to build? The first question I need to ask is, can I build this building on the piece of land that I'm wanting? So the, in every single different city, there's tons of different requirements and they're so different. So it's like, we can't even start discussing it, but we can, we can look at a couple of different examples. So if we look at, let's just say um, uh, like a city like Broken Arrow, um, you know, there's tons of different cities like this. It's a newer city. There's uh, there's a lot of development going on. So they have a lot of interest in what's being built in different areas. Yeah. So uh, you have to go before a planning commission. You have to um, show them what you want to build in a certain location. And there's a lot of times they already have ideas 
where they have plans for certain areas of what type of building is going to be there. And if you don't fit within those criteria, they're just not going to let you build. So there's, there's so many different kind of hurdles you have to jump through at the very beginning. And, and honestly, there's some cities that don't have these things. Like mm-hmm. some of the smaller cities that aren't used to development, they don't have a full planning commission. They don't have a board of adjustments. They honestly, they just want any type of building. Sure. Um, and that's, you know, that can be good sometimes. Yeah. Um, but it, it's just like, you just have to be prepared for these things. And I was going to say, and it, correct me if I'm wrong here, but the purpose of zoning is for that, that planning commission to develop the city in the way that they best see yeah, it, yeah, fit, I mean, right? You know, there's there's different uh, zoning codes. Like you have to look at a piece of land. It, it, it might be zoned agricultural or commercial. And it, if it's not zoned what you need it to be, you can go to a board of adjustments. It's a board of adjustments is like, you're telling them it's currently zoned this, mm-hmm. but I think it should be zoned this for this purpose. Maybe in, it's in, it's industrial, but we want to use it for office Yeah, space and you have to, or, pro- or you have to prove like to them that um, it's going to work, that your idea is good. It's going to be good for the city. It's going to be good for the city. Why? Like there's so many different things. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the cities want you to build things, but also they want you to build what they want you to build. And like, and that's what all good cities are doing. Yep. What about uh, size here? I think size of, uh, of the property in the, in the, the build that you want to build is extremely important. I mean, we've run into a couple issues where you get you get a little tight on the size of the space and what's wanting to be built. Yeah, yeah, depending on the type of building. Like you have to look at let's say let's say it's a um like a church or or some kind of gathering place. The occupancy on those are going to be so high yep. that it requires a huge huge parking lot. Yeah. And um that's prohibited prohibitive to a lot of different um sites because you have to have, you know, whatever size your building is, you have to set that in place and then you need tons and tons of parking yeah so if your site's just big enough for your building well it ain't big enough then. yeah and what do you need whenever there's parking yeah uh detention yeah drainage drainage you have to send the water somewhere gotta go the somewhere. city yeah cities are very concerned with what are we doing with all this extra water because previously the water was soaking into the ground well now the water can't soak into the ground so it has to run off somewhere mm-hmm. and they want to know what you're going to be doing with that water yeah like that's that's a crazy thing that people don't think about before they get into this, but yeah. the cities are very concerned because if we just sent all the water into the road, that would be a problem, right? Yeah. Like it's a good thing that we're thinking about these things because I've, I've seen some smaller towns where this is not a, uh, a priority and it causes, causes issues. Yeah. Okay. Next piece here in site requirements is city requirements. Talk a little bit about that, Tyler. Yeah. So, so there's different, um, you know, we talked about, they may want a type of building in a certain location, Okay, so let's let's say that they've agreed that the type of building that you want to build is okay and on the piece of property that you want to build it on. Mm-hmm. So we've jumped through that hurdle. Figure that well, out. now yeah. the city wants you to make it look like they want it to look. Yeah. They have a general requirement for what these buildings look like. So there's a lot of towns that are going to, uh, they want it to be 60% masonry or, or they want it to be um, a certain percentage of, non-EFIS services. And it's like, uh, you know, that's going to increase the cost. Obviously it's going to look nicer, um, but that does increase the cost. Like a lot of cities are going away from metal buildings. They don't want metal panels on the building. And, um, you know, obviously metal buildings and metal panels are cheaper, but it it's, um, if it's not the desired look, then you can't use them. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's, uh, you just have to know these things. You have to go through the planning commission. They're going to tell you all of these things. They're going to give you a list of the requirements that you have to meet to get your building approved. Um, 
And just to be honest, if like, if you don't meet those requirements, you can go in front of the board of adjustments to try to make an adjustment to those requirements, Mm -hmm. but they're most likely not, not going to approve it. So it's, it's important to think about if you have not thought about that. Yeah. That's site requirements there. I think that one's easier uh, to to gloss over and not think so much about, but I'm, I know it causes more issues than you, than you might think. Um, next piece here, soil conditions. We're talking about what's on the surface, mm. what's below the surface, and how much does that actually impact if I want to build something somewhere? Mm. And like this is uh, this kills more jobs than I think anything. I think um, you know, let's let's say the city approves everything you've got. Yeah. Now we need to know what type of soil there is. Can we even build on this? Well, I mean, you can build on anything, but it may require just a ton of new dirt. Right. Yeah. So, so in, in like a soils test, what we call a geotechnical report, what they'll do is they'll take a, they'll take a sample and they'll dig super deep. It's called a bore. So they'll take a bore and they'll test several different layers of soil. And, you know, typically like the top soil, depending on what it was used for years and years ago, it may be, may have been farmland or it may have been like ranch and you've got just a lot of like just nastiness. It's just yep. so soft. Um, and then, you know, another thing is where's the rock, how deep is that rock? Because yep. that's going to come really big into play later. Um, you know, if you have a lot of rock, um, that could be a good and a bad thing. Right. Yeah. So if you have rock, that means that your soil is probably more stable, right? Absolutely. But what else does that mean? That means you got if you got to dig through it, then you got to dig through it. That means when you have to dig through it because mm. you have to put in utilities. You have to do these things. Yeah. So how deep is that rock? Yeah. How hard is the rock? Yep. Where is the rock actually at? Like there's times where you can kind of try to avoid the rock, or maybe the rock is deep enough to where it's not an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's something that needs to be thought of. I'm uh, I'm trying to think, Tyler, of an example maybe of something that we've experienced recently that has to do with soil and and subgrade um le- i'm thinking about uh h- how do we stabilize soil when maybe it's not so desirable well it, it just depends there's so many different ways um, i mean there's not really so many different ways there's just a couple to be honest either you have to I mean, you can use some kind of additive to the soil on site mm-hmm. um and that dries it out and that dries it yeah. out yeah and that's not perfect yeah but it's much cheaper yeah but the, really the best and sometimes only way is just to pull the dirt out. Dig it all out. Dig it all out. New stuff and, and I've read so many geotech reports, and a lot of times it says dig out 36 inches of dirt mm-hmm. and replace it with select fill. Yeah. And you know, the select fill, it's it's a uh, you know, it's it's a soil that has been approved and been tested, and it's very good to build upon. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, if you have to do that, that's okay for maybe like a building pad. Yeah, but if you have to do that on the whole parking lot, yeah. and you have a an assemb- a place of assembly, yeah, then you already have these you know two hundred parking spaces. Mm-hmm. Plus, you have to do it on your twenty thousand square foot building. Yeah, you've got a you've got a problem on your hands. I mean, that's that's going to be super super expensive. Yeah, well, and and again here, right, we're talking about questions to think about early on, right? I mean, you could run into some huge issues with this if you get you know halfway through the you know the process of. Uh, well, get all the way through design and you get construction started and you realize, oh, wow, we've got a bad issue on our hands here with the soil. So again, these are questions to think about, things to think about as you're beginning uh, that design process. Next piece here, existing utilities. You mentioned it just a second ago. Um, we're thinking about where are they at? You know, yeah, you what know, is the and, city going to And require? this isn't only just existing utilities. This is existing utilities, but then what's the use that we have and what, are, what utilities are we going to have to add? Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, if... Let's say, let's say we need, um, 
let's say it's it's going to be a, a building that's requiring fire suppression, which a lot of buildings do require fire suppression. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've got a, a water line running through your property, you're like, great, I've got water. Well, it's only a two-inch water line. Yeah. And you need a six-inch or bigger water line for fire suppression. And yeah. the city will require that. So you may be like, hey, all those all those utilities are right there next to my property. But if it's not a six-inch line, you're going to have to bring it in from wherever it is. And we've looked at this recently, and it is not, spoiler alert, it is not cheap yeah. to bring in a six-inch water line. Let's say it could be a block down the road. Yeah. And, you know, the good news is is the city's going to pay for this, right? Right, yeah. Nick? Oh, man, wouldn't that be nice? That would be really nice. Yeah. You know, what's, what's crazy is the city, um, <laughs> a lot of times the city will require you to bring in the line, even though it benefits them as well, yeah. you will pay to bring in that line. And then you know what they do after that, whenever you bring it in, do they make you pay for the water? Well, they make you pay for the water, mm-hmm. but they also make you sign over the water line. You just installed, mm. you sign it over to the city. Interesting. Did you realize that? I did not know that. So now it belongs to them, mm. which it's good that they take over the, um, the maintenance, maintenance of it. Yeah. But the maintenance cost is so low over a period of time. And if you've installed it right, it's it's going to be so stable. Tell you what, if I put in a six-inch water line, I want to own that sucker. I want to own that sucker too. You know, another <laughs> thing is um, in good cities, in big cities, not big cities, but developing cities, they're thinking ahead. Mm-hmm. Okay. They're not just going to let you tap into an existing sewer line if right behind your property, they've got plans to develop something. So if you're building and you're the first one to the show, they may have you bring in a sewer line or water line big enough to support the development the next that's, guys the next guys hmm. and you're paying for that whole line interesting it is very very interesting and we we dealt with this on a couple projects in the last couple of years and you know the clients are like well is you know are we going to get paid once these other people tap into the to the lines do you think they get paid nick let me answer that no yeah you know you know who gets paid it's the city the city gets paid to tap into it very very interesting tap fees yes i love it another thing you need to think about is who's got the utilities is it the city is it the county is it a rural, rural water, water district, district? Oh, if it's a rural, rural water district i'm telling you guys run for the hills <laughs> if you if, if you are at a rural water district i i'm i'm sorry all them boys got to do all day they got a couple miles of line and that's we're perusing, oh, we're man. looking at things. Oh, leaf fell on it right there. Get that off of there. Man, yeah. and you know what's interesting is we've been <laughs> dealing with this on a certain project right now that they've required a certain type of fitting and water meter, and it's all USA made. And I'm I'm pro USA made, but in this climate where everything takes months and months, we've been waiting on materials, just mm. fittings for a water line for about a year now. I mean, it was ordered yeah. in January, and right now we're sitting at November 30th. And that's a problem when you're trying to open a building. Ugh, yeah. That's whenever, tough. whenever the other, you know, it's, I'm sure it's China made we're supporting Chinese, but it's sitting on the shelf. We could get it installed today, yeah. but it's stuff you need to think about. Yeah. Where's, where's the utilities coming from? Where are they currently at? What do you need to add? Well, another piece we were talking about too, is, uh, that rock that might be in, in the, uh, you yeah. know, like the subgrade, the rock it's, it's great to build on. You know, you want to build on a very stable, stable ground yeah. you know I, I just looked at a, a souls report yesterday and i asked them before i looked at it, i said hey what does this look like is it is it a good geotech or is it not and he said oh it's a bad one and so i look at it and i'm like this is really good like the rock is kind of it's not too deep um and it 
really the the uh, the recommendations by the engineer and the geotech was they only need 12 inches of select fill, which is yeah. way less yeah. than what we've been seeing. Yeah. And so that looks really good. Um, but then you just have to think about, okay, where's the actual utilities coming in? Yeah. How much utilities is required? Yeah. Is there any way to avoid some of this? Yeah. And um, before you really, you know, with that geotech, you don't have like a map of where the rock is. Mm-hmm. You just have a general idea of how deep it is, yep. you know, but that rock can go up, it can go higher, it can go lower. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so really it's impossible to know how deep it is yeah. until you actually get in, but it's, it's something to be thinking about. And uh, again, right. Digging through that rock, it is more difficult and does cost more. So again, here to kind of wrap up some of those thoughts there, these are questions, things to think about in the feasibility stage, in the site selection stage, these these aren't questions that you're asking after you've got design done and you're out to bid. These are early, early questions to to ask yourself. Uh, but if you're asking yourself these questions, you you may need the information as to what is existing. Right, when we're talking about um, site requirements, what are those? Soil conditions, what are they? Where are the utilities? And where might we need utilities? What might those requirements be? Where do we get this information? Yeah. So let's, let's run through that real quick. So there's three really main things you need. So the first thing, step one, uh, if you're thinking about building, you, you've got a piece of land, the cheapest and easiest thing to do is just a simple site plan by an architect. So this basically takes the size of your building, whatever it is, it's a square rectangle, whatever, and it puts it on that piece of land and it shows you, okay, this, um, this will look like this on the piece of land. It will allow for this much parking lot, um, it just, it kind of runs simple calculations to see if it's possible. You know, this doesn't show elevations. It doesn't show soils, but it's really just kind of the first step and it's really cheap. It's like, it's in the range of like a thousand, 1500 bucks. Like, um, it's, it's not an expensive thing, but it's, it's super important. You know, we've seen a ton, a ton, a ton of site plans. This is also actually a requirement for permitting, right? Yeah. So yeah. this is going to have to be done. It, at it's going to be, no it's going to be, have to be done. It's, it's not an expensive thing. Um, so before you ever acquire land, I would highly suggest just getting the site plan, getting it out of the way. Yeah. You know, the the next thing is, let's say you got a site plan, um, everything looks good. You can build the parking lot is able to be built on the property along with the building, and also detention pond. You've you've figured in detention pond. Mm-hmm. And the next thing is a survey. You know, a survey is um, it's not just like you know, there's there's what you call an Alta survey, and that's basically just showing the perimeter. It's showing where the um, where the property lines are. Mm-hmm. That's not enough. That's yeah. that's a very basic thing that that's required in the buying and selling of a piece of property. Sure. But for the purposes of building yeah. and potentially building, it's not it's not even you got to have some more information. Yeah. yeah. So so what you need there is an actual survey that's showing elevations. It's showing where the utility lines are at. It's showing any easements that are in place. You know, we haven't even got into easements, which is you know, um, it, it, that's so important because they can't be built upon, you know, you, you may be able to build a parking lot on it, yeah. but that's, um, you know, partially owned by it the can, city. It can, it can impact your feasibility and in, in, in the site that you select highly affected. So, yeah. so with this survey, you know, the survey, um, it's showing, um, kind of the elevations, you're going to know how much fill you're going to have to put in. You're gonna have to know how much, um, how much you're going to have to cut. You're going to kind of know the general, uh, topography of, that piece of land. Mm-hmm. It's also going to like show you where the, where the, uh, how the water drains. Yeah. It's going to kind of, you give an idea of 
where the detention, how much detention yeah. and all that. And you, uh, and you call the city and they just send a guy out and they send you the report or how does that work? No, you hire a surveyor. Oh, you hire a surveyor. Yeah. So you, you, you have to pay for this one too. You got to pay for this one too. Okay. So this one costs between like three. I've seen it between like three and 8,000. My guess is kind of in the sweet spot of like 5,500 to 6,000 for a good surveyor. Mm-hmm. You know, the bigger problem on this is it takes like six to eight weeks yep. for a surveyor. So the earlier you can get in, the better. Um, yeah. You know, the, the last part of this is the geotech. So let's say you got the site plan. Your building fits on the piece of land that you're wanting to buy. Yep. So we've gotten that. Yep. Then you've got your survey. You know the topography. You know where the utilities are. Everything still looks good. So you go ahead and get your geotech. Now, the geotech, like we discussed earlier, is going to tell you what the soils are. This is going to um, take a bore. This is going to tell you exactly where the rock is, where the what type of soil there is, because this, yep. this really does and, matter. And gives recommendations, I think, is a big piece and this is on done, how to stabilize. This is soil. done by an engineer. Yep. And so they say that this is the this is how much cut and fill you're gonna have to do. This is the thickness of the pavement that you're going to do. Mm-hmm. These are some of the problems you're gonna encounter. It yep. tells you how deep when you're gonna encounter water, if any. Like mm-hmm. it's it's very in-depth and it's difficult and to these read. are these are pretty pretty big reports. Yeah, too. I mean these I mean, can be 20 pages. I mean, yeah. and if you've never read one, they can be very confusing. Yeah. So that's also an important thing to have somebody who can help interpret what that information actually means. So for a geotech, um, we are hiring an engineer. How much does that cost? It's between like four to seven thousand. I've seen. Yep. I think sometimes it could probably go up, but it, it really shouldn't be more than four to seven thousand. And the same th- is true with this as it was with survey. It takes say. time. It takes time. So if you're for sure that you're building on a piece of land, go ahead, order the the site plan. The site plan is number one. It does not take much time. If an architect tells you it's going to be five weeks. Um, you need to tell them, no, sir, I need it in two. Um, and then once you get that site plan, everything looks good. You need to go ahead and order the survey and the geotech at the same time, because yep. they both take between six and sometimes like 10 weeks. Like yeah. these guys are so busy. They, they're doing tons of work. It's so important to get these guys on board. Yep. And this, you know, the geotech happens from uh, a lot of times civil engineers do them, or there's just, um, you know, testing facilities that, that they specifically, you know, they, um, they specialize in geotechs and and other testing like that. So to kind of recap what we've talked about up to this point, right? A couple of the key things to think about site requirements. What are those soil conditions? What are they? Uh, And utilities, what am I going to need? What's existing? Where's it at? And then how do we find all of this information? Uh, You got to get a site plan. You have to have a survey done and you need a geotech to understand what's going on. But what does that mean for you? Right? none of these reports alone is going to give you all the answers. And man, if you've never done construction before, or maybe if you're new and you've not gone through this process a lot, it can be super overwhelming. And you may not understand which, which exact piece do I do first and where do I go? And I would argue, and Tyler would argue that a good general contractor should be uh, bringing these professionals to the table and helping you to interpret this information so that you can make good decisions. Yeah. You know, a lot of times it's, um, it, it doesn't cost much for, for a general, general contractor to be interpreting things, these things for you. And, you know, like we discussed earlier, you know, all three of these different things, the, the site plan, the survey, the geotech, you know, those are all different pieces of information. And if you don't know how to interpret those pieces of information, then they're really worthless. Right. Yep. So you have to have somebody that's there. If you don't know how to, to interpret those. And it's like evidence, like you have three pieces of evidence and this is leading you to believe that this is going to be a, p- a good piece of land to build on. And 
like, and also you need to know the implications. So let's say we we're looking at geotech and it's, it's, it's a bad report. It's, it says there's going to be three fit of fill throughout the whole thing. Well, what does that actually mean for me? If it's a small site, it may not be a big deal, but if it's a big site, that's a huge deal. So it's like, you have to have somebody on yeah. your side who's telling you, Hey, these are, this is how to interpret these reports. And this is the implications of what that means. And that may mean that the project doesn't happen, which we, ha- we see sometimes, but that may mean that, Hey, that's, this fits within the budget. So we're okay to proceed and move forward. But if you don't have somebody who's telling you those things, you don't know what you don't know. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that this has been uh, a good conversation, uh, good pieces to talk about. This is our second Builder Scope episode. The first one was about pricing. This one here is site selection and feasibility. I'm excited to be jumping into more of these topics as we go uh, further and further out into the future. I think that there's going to be a, a lot more good topics to come. Yeah, man, it's been great. I can't wait to do some more. And did you hear what Benjamin Franklin just said? Well, he just said it? I didn't see he, well, it. Well, he recently. It? But he said this. He said, glass... China and reputation are easily cracked and never well mended. Oh, you don't want to try to, you don't want to try to put glass back together. Mm. That's pretty tough. You don't want to do that. And you don't want to try to put your reputation back together. Mm. Guys, thank you so much for listening. This has been another episode of the Potter podcast, and we will catch you guys next time. 